Welcome to Mystery House Sirens and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama summer cast. Yes, uh, it, even though in the show we're watching, it is still winter. But it is California. So it's hard to tell. So it just means they're wearing their normal clothes, but sometimes some tights underneath. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, sometimes yeah. Marissa has to find her jacket. Yep. Which is a plot point. A lot of, a lot of lip service to the cold. <laughs> oh, Kevin, I had the most summery weekend I have had in a long time. Oh, yeah? Well, yesterday, I got up, I slept in, I made breakfast, I went to a bar class, I ate a protein bar, I went to my friend Claire's house, we walked down the hill from her house to go get some mimosas, then we walked over to the New Central Library, which means we walked through Prince uh, St. Patrick Island, we recorded a podcast, we went to Brewer's Apprentice and bought some craft beer, <laughs> we walked back up the hill, we dropped the beer off at Claire's house, we went back to the same place we were at earlier, we had some cocktails <laughs> there on the patio. <laughs> a full day. We had like a pretzel and some cheese, we walked back to Claire's house. <laughs> I did yard work. I went home, I read a book. I hauled a weed whacker around an acreage and cleaned up around trees. I didn't step on a bird this time, though, so that's a plus. <laughs> it's a plus. Yeah. There's, there's things hiding in the long grass. Sometimes it's a bird. Birds shouldn't make their nests in the ground. No, birds are for the trees. But they some birds just make their nests in the ground. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today I went to work, and then I uh, went to Shakespeare in the Park, and then I bought some rosé. Oh, right. That was all just one day you mentioned before. <laughs> Such a summer weekend. Today I slept in until noon, and then I had some leftover pizza. Well, you were overworked from your yard work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did, did you end up going to Mom and Dad's house? Because she kept saying she was going to invite you over. No. No. No, I didn't. <laughs> did she invite you over? Yeah, I, I, I have a oh. job interview coming up, so, they, so they're so they like, you got to come over wearing the clothes you're going to wear for the job interview. And then it got to about, you know, 4.30 today, and I still had not put on actual pants. I was still just wearing, well, I mean, you see it right now, just like basketball shorts. Basketball shorts, because that, that's, that's lounge wear. And you're like, I cannot be bothered. I'm like, I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> I'm not going to go put on interview clothes today. It's too hot. Yeah, so I'll do that tomorrow or I something. I got a sunburn today. Too hot. Yeah, too hot. I got a sunburn uh, yesterday. Yesterday. But you didn't step on a bird, so... I didn't step on a bird. It was the perfect summer weekend. Yeah. <sighs> and we watched the OC. And we watched the OC, which is what we are going to talk about now. So, let's get into it. Because this is the OC Season 3, Episode 12, The Sister Act. The Sister Act. So we begin, and Seth thinks things are going way too well. Yeah, they're definitely going well, because Seth is looking at his clear skin in the reflection of the wine fridge, <laughs> which is full of wine, which Kirsten is not at all tempted to drink. Yeah, but they keep around. Which weirds me out the most. It, it is an interesting uh Has the addition. show, in fact, forgotten that she was an alcoholic? Well, she doesn't drink. I I think they they know enough not to have her drink, but I do think they did not change the setting at all. And then they decided to draw they attention to it because <laughs> he could have been looking in a window he, or a mirror. He could have been doing many things. 
I mean, unfortunately, it's not 2019, so he couldn't be using his phone to look at himself. No. No. However, this is not the important part of this scene. What is important in this scene is the doorbell rings, and Seth says, See, Ryan? Our doom is upon us. Don't answer the door, Ryan. It's doom. It's doom. And who is it? I mean, they don't know immediately, but we do as an audience who is aware of the future and the past. So Aaron and Kevin, maybe no one else... (laughs) We know it's Caitlin Cooper. Yep. And a brand bacon new actress. And for some reason is dressed exactly like Britney Spears from that music video. That's what she likes. There's... That's not time period appropriate. That music video is from like 1999. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but, but it says a lot of things. Caitlin Cooper went to private school. Caitlin Cooper, sexy. <laughs> Caitlin Cooper, Willa Holland. <laughs> yep. Uh, and we learn that they, in fact, have not been telling her anything that's going on. And also, for some reason, all the mail, all the mail from Caleb Nichols' old house, this is Caleb Nichols, has been forwarded to this house. Even though you think we forwarded to, like, Julie's new trailer park. But Kevin, then people will know. <sighs> also, for a while, she lived nowhere, so. Uh, that's fair. Um, Caitlin's also kind of mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she comes in pretty pretty hot. She's mean to Ryan. She says that living in Newport didn't make him any smarter. Unfortunately, she doesn't realize what will become an ongoing plot point, <laughs> I assume for the rest of the season, <laughs> that he is now Jim Gordon. Oh, yeah, no, his his job now is to solve uh, mysteries of youths. <laughs> Minor mysteries. <laughs> so everyone is shocked that, uh, by, that Caitlin is here. Everyone is shocked that these... Two years have went by, and her actress is, like, six years older. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> puzzled by the passage of time. Well, I mean, let's, let's okay, be clear. let's be fair. The, old Caitlin, pro- like, that little girl, Shailen was Woodley. Pro- was probably about the age that Caitlin should be. Was probably about 11. And Willa Holland <laughs> is probably 14 or 15. Um, maybe? Because Willa Holland was playing in her early 20s when she was on Arrow. I guess, yeah. And Arrow is only seven years old. All right. Uh... But, yeah, so they're there. Uh, Julie arrives. Marissa arrives. Summer arrives. But during this time that everyone was arriving and everyone was gossiping, um, Caitlin was transforming herself. Even more like Britney Spears. Well, she now has braids. She's lost her midriff. She is covered up. Yeah. But but somehow she looks even more like Britney Spears from that music video. And we discover something that is absolutely insane. She claims that the reason she's there is because it's midwinter break. And Julie says, yes, I know. I assumed you would be in Paris for Fashion Week. It seems very much like Caitlin has still been living the rich kid life. But how? Like, outside of tuition, she doesn't have any money. I assume that, well, Julie says many times throughout this episode that Marissa is Jimmy's kid and Caitlin is Julie's kid. So you think she's been making all this money just by essentially half seducing people? Yes, I think Julie assumed that Caitlin would be scamming people for trips to Paris. <laughs> However, Caitlin doesn't know she needs to scam. Julie yeah. just thinks she'll do it unconsciously. I mean, the other option is that Julie has been making some money but funnels it all to Caitlin so she does not know that there is something going on. Do you think they sold Marissa's car yet? Oh, who knows? I'll tell you one thing they did do. Uh, Julie informed Caitlin of the death of her stepfather through an email. In which she describes, remember when I sent you that email about Caleb? (laughs) 
Like, you mean the email where you told her her stepdad is dead? And then you said, absolutely, do not come back for the funeral, even though it's summer break. <laughs> yeah, do do not return. The Stay OC, there. The OC is no place for you, Caitlin Cooper. Now there's a dead person here. We do not want your boys here. Your boy fight club. Anyway, uh, Julie tells Caitlin uh, everything and brings her to the trailer. And she informs Caitlin not to think they live there, but think they are refugees there. <laughs> All right, fair enough. She also demonstrates how Caitlin's bed pulls out from the kitchen like half island yeah which seems like a real waste of storage space trailer yeah but i guess you know you also need people i mean the uh, what is it uh the the rv that we uh stayed for a little bit it's it's kitchen table unfolded into a bed however the kitchen table unfolded into a bed but underneath that bed where also there were seats when it was a table was storage. Yeah, but I feel like having... RVs are all about optimizing storage. Yeah, but maybe for these RVs, it's about optimizing the amount of people who can live in that RV. Mm, That's true. They have different goals than we did. I want to take a moment here to do mention that Julie does reference Britney Spears, so maybe this is all on purpose. I'll be freaking out about you're looking at Britney (laughs) Spears. Maybe that's what dropped the pin in your head. Yeah. No, I was writing it down way before Julie (laughs) mentioned Britney Spears. Anyway, not to worry. Julie is extremely apologetic. And Caitlin actually responds pretty well. Like, we kind of thought she was going to be a real princess. Yeah, but she's sort of not. She's confused. Yeah. Uh, Though, I mean, something we'll learn later will somewhat put that in perspective. Uh, But she gets a phone call. and, And Julie... Trying to be cool, mom. It's like, ooh, do you like a boy? <laughs> Turns out it's a... It is a boy. Threatening? Question mark? <laughs> voicemail? Look, we're going to eventually meet the man who is... Be- or the boy who is behind this voicemail. And that boy cannot be threatening for the life of him. He's, like, very sorrowful, but also... <laughs> He's the human equivalent of a marshmallow. Did you recognize him? I did recognize him. All right, we'll talk for that later. <laughs> so uh, we, let's cut to school where everyone's just a little bit creepy about Caitlin. Well, I mean, Marissa's weirded out. Yes. Ryan is like, oh no, chaos has come to town. I know what's going to happen here. I'm going to have to be a detective again. I don't know why. I don't know how, but... I'll have to do it. And uh, Seth is like, I can't handle another hot girl in my life. Yeah, Seth keeps bringing up that Caitlin has boobs now. That's his main his main thing. More importantly, Taylor Townstead is thrilled that she has a new friend. Oh, yeah. She goes in. She, like, shoves herself between Ryan and Marissa and, and like, hugs Marissa. And she's like, Marissa, I had to get you back into the school. You were lonely. And being lonely is the worst thing anyone could be. Now, this this does seem like sort of me by her being like, you had no friends there. But really is Taylor being like, no, but we're better friends. You're uh, If you had other friends, you did not. They don't matter. We are friends. Marissa, I once had no friends, and now I know that these friends are the best friends. Of course, the talking about friends in the past makes Marissa, you know... Realize that she hasn't heard from Johnny in forever. And Ryan's like, well, maybe you should call Bizarro, Seth. (laughs) And Marissa's like, yes, I do connect to that, but his name is Chili. Yeah. And then I am shocked to discover 
that these characters are still on the show. Oh yeah, we we cut over and we have a scene without without any of the other like characters there. It's just Johnny. This shooting day must have been wild. <laughs> it's just Johnny and Chili. Johnny and Chili at Harbor High having a plot line. And okay, at this point, I think we can call it. Johnny was lying about the the um the whole. Which is what we thought. But we weren't sh- sure. The show did such weird stuff with it that put just enough doubt into our heads. So, good work, Johnny. Yeah. Way to lie good. Meanwhile, Chili, being his Jiminy Cricket, Jiminy Chili, if you will. Jiminy Chili is like, hey, Marissa's been calling you a lot. You're a pretty sad dude. Maybe if you uh talk to her, you'll be a happier dude. <laughs> and then he gets a call from Marissa, like he summoned her. And he forces that call upon Johnny. Well, Marissa's happy to talk to Johnny, uh, but she has one very specific thing she wants Johnny to do, which is weird a little bit, I guess. She just wants to share her life with Johnny, and by share her life with Johnny... In a completely platonic way. She's like, hey, meet my sister. And I don't think she means date my sister, but I think she means date my sister so you don't date me. I don't think she does, and I... I I think that if it if that if you know if this goes where I hundred percent know it's going to go, she's going to be upset about it. But like Marissa, this is best case scenario. Johnny cannot stand to be around you because he <laughs> loves you so much. <laughs> Direct his feelings somewhere else. Yeah, Johnny is such like you know he okay. Johnny is has everything that a fourteen year old loves and four- surfing, <laughs> good hair, yeah, access to beer. <laughs> Well, I, I was I was gonna say like that uh, that nice guy sweet thing. Uh, that he, too. He, essentially, what I'm saying is that Johnny is the sixth member of One Direction, and she should voice that good good boy upon Caitlyn. Oh, jeez. All right. Uh, do you know who else we're I guess getting more of? Who is else is still a character? Veronica Townsend, Taylor Townsend's mom, who shows up at Kirsten's house. The Cohen house. And Kirsten becomes the voice piece of myself and Kevin. <laughs> what? 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 Why are you here? Well, I would like you to do something for me, Kirsten. I want you to set me up with Neil Roberts. He's amazing. What? How do you think this is going to work out? No one likes you. We do learn that Veronica Townsend in 2006 called Marissa Little Miss Columbine. <laughs> Which (laughs) is a bold, bad choice. Which, I mean, that sucks right now, but that feels like that is a... Also is inaccurate. Marissa shot a grown man who was trying to kill her boyfriend. There's no teen-on-teen violence here today. Anyway, so we do learn that what I thought was right was Veronica isn't married... Mm-mm. Um. So, which means what I said earlier, like a couple episodes ago, is true. I do imagine her going to a to a club. And oh, just, yes. Like, hanging out with twenty year old boys. And last episode, when she was flirting with Neil, she was in fact flirting with Neil. Yeah. And what she would in fact like is for Kirsten to set her up with Neil. Otherwise, she will bar Marissa from being able to go to graduation or the prom. And I had a pause here because I was a little behind on um on writing out notes and I wanted to get caught up. But I froze on a look from Kirsten that just says one very simple word. What? What? 
And Kristen's Kristen's entire storyline this episode is just her wandering around the world being like, what is this madness I live in? The, the juxtaposition between the two plot lines going on in this episode is wild. <laughs> it's madness. And so Kristen says what we say, which is, WTF, you're going to destroy a child's life so you can go on a date? And I'm like, what? What? How? What do you think the outcome of this is going to be, Veronica? You're going to go on one date with a dude, and he's going to fall desperately in love with you. And Veronica's like, "Yeah, I'm charming." <laughs> yeah, of course, of course I am. People like me. They just need to be forced to spend time with me. It's like Taylor. <laughs> and and my plan here was like, like I feel like from what we know of Doctor Roberts, just tell him about this. <laughs> Which. To be fair, is exactly what happens. <laughs> but it's actually, but it's actually not. But it's not Kirsten's next move because Kirsten's move is to immediately run off and tell Sandy because she's like, I can't do this. <laughs> I need another functional adult who will agree with me that this is insane. I need to talk to another person to make sure that what just happened to me is real life. Did I hallucinate, Sandy? Did I hallucinate? Well, what she says to Sandy is that Sandy, I need. Apparently, so that Veronica Townsend won't ruin Marissa's life. Uh, I need I need Neil to go out with her. Neil, who is not part of our our group, our group is a guy, and sometimes you surf and or golf near him. Also, you're a lawyer, so you have good words. Your words do good. Sandy, I don't think I can do this. Will you please try to do this? What? And so the, their big thing is they're like, oh, no, they could do this. And they, you know, they actually, you know, Veronica will do this. And she actually could do it. Like, are none of these other parents on the parents council worried about bullying a child? Well, I mean, are none of like Neil, Sandy or Kirsten? I was what I was really hoping this plot line would go is that Sandy and Kirsten would have to get more involved with school. <laughs> and so they would fight against like Veronica from inside the parents council. That would be so fun. And then it'd be a storyline where they're just consistently frustrated by noopsies. It, it also would be a great storyline because it would connect them with the, their storyline with the kids. And remember how there was once that blonde woman who was always at all of the noopsy things with the short hair yeah where's her she's probably on the student committee parent, parent committee parent council it, yeah it's it's great to me that like none of like neil i mean i guess neil's busy but it, but like it's crazy that none of these parents that we see in this show are part of the parents council which makes me think it might just be veronica and she's annoyed <laughs> everyone else off of it well like mother like daughter huh so uh marissa and caitlin spent a fun afternoon shopping and i was like what and the show was like don't worry. They went to the thrift store. They popped some tags. They had $20 in their pockets. Aaron, is in this scene, not that I'm going against your uh, Macklemore reference. It's good. Um, I just want to do want to point out, because the sort of time will close. It's in this scene that I realized my episode will be me becoming slowly more obsessed with what Caitlin is wearing. Because in this scene, she's wearing my least favorite article of clothing, the sweater dress. Oh, I love a sweater dress. I hate a sweater dress. It makes no sense. If it's cold enough you need a sweater, don't wear a dress. Oh, sometimes your top part of your body is cold and the bottom's warm. That makes no sense. Caitlin, right now, Caitlin should be sweating from the torso and freezing at the knees. A, she's wearing boots <laughs> and tights. I don't think she's wearing tights. B, some you don't know this, but sometimes your boobs get cold. Yeah. You gotta protect them with yeah. that sweater. 
I don't like the sweater dress. The sweater dress is dumb, and she's wearing a sweater dress in very hot weather. Well, a sweater dress is a clothing piece that women wear for other women, not that women wear for men. I mean, don't get me wrong. I just hate the concept of it. I think it makes no sense. It, it is very similar to me, sweater vests. Sometimes you need to keep the warmth in your core. What are you not understanding here? Basic hypothermia techniques. <laughs> My name is Aaron. I'm a first aider. Can I help you? Yeah, I don't think you live your life based to based on emergency life-saving procedures. Well, I don't know. Right now I'm wearing a tank top and shorts, but my arms and my legs are all free. What? Yeah. What? So my core is more covered than the rest of me. No, yeah. There's just different degrees of that. Yeah, but you're not wearing, like, a a sleeveless parka. You mean a vest. Yeah. You're a man who loves a vest. Yeah, but I wear sweaters underneath the vests. I don't. Yeah. You see, that's weather balance. (laughs) Um, so immediately, Marissa and Caitlin happen upon Chili and Johnny at the agreed-upon time. <laughs> they all arrive at four. And, and, hey, in TV universes, if you say you arrive at four, you arrive at four. And uh, this conversation is full of loaded statements and longing looks and confused looks <laughs> and lies. It does start with Caitlin uh, asking which one is Johnny. Is it the one the perfect bone structure or the carrot top? Which Chili does not have red hair. In fact, I would say Johnny's hair is probably redder than Chili's is. I guess the suggestion is Chili's <laughs> hair is curly? No, she definitely thinks Chili, ha- Ch- Chili has red hair. He's blonde. Do you think he his hair is redder in person? It just does not translate to camera well? I'll say that Johnny's hair is very red in that scene. Um. Anyway... Uh, it immediately gets awkward as Johnny and, and Marissa just stare at each other. And then Marissa or Johnny runs off to check if his car is locked. Oh, we're moving there. Yeah, yeah. They're, uh... And then Caitlin is like... Caitlin also takes a moment to run away. Because she can understand emotions. <laughs> yeah, she's figured, she's figured this out. Uh, this gives Chili and Marissa some time so Chili can essentially spill the beans. Immediately. But the most important thing... Is, I guess, Caitlin runs outside after Johnny. And she's like, hey, you in love with Marissa, yo. <laughs> why why, why not instead you in love with me? Yo. Cut away. <laughs> there, is, there is no resolution. There's for no the moment appropriate where, response to that. Let's be clear, it's not innuendo. Caitlin does not slyly imply to Johnny that she she all but like leaps leaps at him and tearing off her clothes like, like it's we did not paraphrase all we did was add the word yo <laughs> so let's head back to Ryan who who up until this moment was really a secondary character in this episode but then the doorbell rings and this and this this guy who i described as first a skinny Jason Mraz type otherwise known as the youngest vampire from Twilight. Yes, this is Jason Rathbone, a guy. Jackson Rathburn. Oh, Jackson Rathburn. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I, Jason hey, Rathbone. Keep, keep, keep in mind, Aaron, that was me entirely trying to remember his name off of the top of my head, which is really impressive considering I've seen Twilight <laughs> once. It's pretty good. He has. He plays Jasper. Okay. So really, you just kind of combined all of his names well, into... I, I mean, let's let's put up the main problem. This guy only plays people who have J in their first name because the character he's playing named Justin. 
but we're going to call him Jackson Rathburn. He's, we're going to call him Jaxper. We're going to call him Jason Rathbone. <laughs> or otherwise known as Justin, otherwise known as Jasper, otherwise known as Jason Mraz. So here's Jason Mraz, and he wants to find Caitlin. For, <laughs> of course he does. Who else would he want to find? Yeah, though Ryan abides by the you don't snitch policy and says, I ain't seen her since she was 11. I believe he hasn't seen her since she was in love with a bald pony. Well, he also mentions 11. Oh, Ryan. And this is when Ryan is like, oh, finally, I embrace my role as Jim Gordon. All right, time to solve a mystery. Because uh, we learned that, first of all, Caitlin listens to screamo music, <laughs> well, which is the most, which might be the most shocking transition. Like, because we don't have a commercial break, because there is going to be a commercial break yeah. here, we just cut from Ryan being like, what's going on? And this tinkling music playing, and then all of a sudden, rah, 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 rah. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? Over, like, images of people surfing. Like, this is not a transition I'm used to. Well, it's Caitlin. She's painting her toenails, and she's sitting on her porch. I wonder if she's also sort of gone somewhat like trailer. Because sitting on the front porch painting her toenails is does not feel like a Caitlin Cooper move. Well, she may have started doing it inside and then almost <laughs> passed out. <laughs> I would just like to believe that she really... like I, I'm putting everything about her through the lens of Julie, which means she's like, well, I'm in a trailer park now. Gotta do trailer park things. Gotta do trailer park things. So I gotta put on my pajamas, gotta sit on my front porch, and I gotta paint my toenails. Where are those pork pork rinds? <laughs> Neil, did you eat them all? Well, uh, Ryan asks her about Justin. He does some real cop talk. But she's like, but she, what she says is that she's getting stalked. Like, you know, this guy she met once, I can't believe followed me all the way here. And Ryan's like, okay, I'm gonna take care of it. But she has one last request, and this is the thing that makes me go, oh, mm. yeah. <laughs> And that last request is... I didn't write that down. I was just She like, doesn't want him to tell Marissa. Oh. That's like the entire point. Well, <laughs> I was more distracted by what a good liar she is and what a bad liar Marissa is. Are you sure she's a good liar? Because she does. Because she's a lot like Julie. She comes up with lies on the spot, but does not comprehend outcomes for the lies. Well, she's better than Marissa, who just has no chill ever and just like sputters words at people and yeah. then runs away. Yes, Mar- Marissa, Marissa uh, has the tactic of lying in which that she... Cannot lie. On the other hand, Julie and Caitlin have the tactic of lying where they will say a lie and just be like, well, I'll probably work out, right? And then just double down on it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, let's head over to, speaking of Marissa, I guess. She sh- stalks Johnny at his home. Yep. Because now she knows. Thank him for his very good lies. <laughs> but also to helicopter mom him and ask him what his next steps are. So, Johnny comes back to this with this whole, like, I don't need you, like, you know, saving me thing. And really what it comes down to is these two kids who want more than anything to be martyrs need to chill the F out. Because Marissa is not trying to save him. But she is trying to helicopter mom him. I mean, but that's the problem is that they're both two people who are like, I want to help other people, but I don't want anyone to help me. Because Marissa also doesn't want anyone to help her. No. But she wants to help people. Really, these two human beings, considering the fact that they are not dating, are in the unhealthiest relationship I have ever (laughs) seen. They just need to merge into one, really. <laughs> well, no, that would just double down. They, they, but they both have the same strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, then they become a superhero. Super martyr. No, that would... <laughs> he has one adventure. <laughs> then, then he died. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, that, that, the, the scene pretty much just makes Marissa upset 
uh, because, you know, Johnny won't let her helicopter him, and she also doesn't want Johnny... To... Well, no, she did like that he martyred himself. Um... It doesn't. Uh, uh, it's. It seems she has weird. come to terms. L- later, she seems a lot more upset about him because he says, "You know, I wanted to get away from you." Though, really, he's kind of. Uh, okay, what's that dog that they shout at? <laughs> what? What's the thing? It, it's the. It's. It's. It's like a very. Dog they shout it's at. a very famous scene from like a book and a and a movie. Oh, no, you're talking about Harry and the Hendersons. He's not a dog. Aaron, He's a I, Bigfoot. Aaron, Aaron, I promise you, I'm not talking, oh, you're talking about White Fang. That's the one I'm talking about. Why? Okay, we need to stop this entire show. You, <laughs> you, you went for Harry and the Hendersons, a movie about a family that adopts a Bigfoot instead of White Fang, the the very serious book. About a boy's relationship with a wolf. I only see things through the lens of New Girl. Are you, are you sure? Because it really sounds to me <laughs> like. <laughs> no, I can't go any further with this. Get out of here! I don't love you anymore. Yeah, yeah. Go, yeah, get. yeah. Does that does that happen in Harry and the Hendersons? Yeah. Okay, so you essentially you went for the parody. I guess so. I've never seen it. Okay, well. <laughs> White Fang, who's essentially Johnny trying to White Fang Marissa, being like, I wanted to get rid of you. Here's oh, a fun, God. humorous interlude. Sandy calls Dr. Roberts. We find out that Dr. Roberts does remember Veronica because he did all her plastic surgery, and yeah. he has no doctor-patient confidentiality clause. <laughs> yeah, it's plastic surgery. Everyone there. Uh, yeah, I guess you guess. don't have a clause because you want to promote your work. Yeah, it's it, it's very interesting with plastic surgery. I've heard that you, that you that essentially that is an agreement that has come to between the doctor and the patient that they can they can hold you to essentially an NDA. Yeah, but you kind of have to like convince them or pay them because it is in their best interest for everyone to see where they do their work because that's where they have to get more work. Anyway, it turns out Sandy's plan was my plan, which is just tell Neil what's going on. And Neil agrees to it because he loves Marissa. Because he wants to protect the children. So hey, let's head to the bait shop. Where Ryan meets Jackson Byrne. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and he Jim Gordon's him. He's Jason like, Rathburn. And he's like, hey, Jason Rathbone, you'll leave that girl alone. Yeah, so he does. He does something as threatening, and then, but then Justin, uh, what? We're going to be switching between all these J names. This is not going to be a good bit. I'm telling you right now. We like legitimately. I have already forgotten what his character's name is. Yeah, I'm going to panic. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to be splitting between Jason, Jackson, Justin, and Jordan, Jasper. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, ju- anyway, Jaspin. Uh, it's not stalking Caitlin. He would just like his fifteen thousand dollars. Hundred, fifteen hundred. It's fifteen hundred. Oh, I, I know, I know. It's not a whole lot of money. No, no. He's like that is a whole lot of money. Um, but it, but considering the this TV show, that's yeah. not a whole lot of money for this TV show. Well, and the fact that he has probably spent that money on his stalking. Anyway, uh, so he says that she sold sold fifteen hundred. Um, told him that she, told him that she was sixteen and ran away. And Ryan's like, "Huh, gotta go, Jim Gordon." This ish. <laughs> I do like how Ryan's plan is always that he doesn't 
Like, he always does this thing where he's like, he's threatening someone. They come at him with other information. He goes, okay, yeah, but actually do leave as well. Like, I'm still threatening you. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. She is 14. Yeah. You are the bad guy in this situation. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot going on here. It's a very interesting situation. Please also uh, just leave. Uh, as This is what I meant by it. It's a very Julie Cooper t- type of lie for her to be like, no, he's stalking me. Go and yeah, But yes, do please actually go and scare him off. Please don't let him talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she just thought Ryan seems... I mean, Ryan is much more threatening uh, than she, Jordan. Mm, she did not expect the Gordon. Exactly. Mm. Oh, God, Jim. There's another J name. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, dang. Why did you do to this this to us, Jasper Justin? So Rathburn. Here's, here's a cute scene. Taylor Townstead could not be more excited that her mom and Summer's dad are going on a date. Yeah, she literally screams like a banshee and then runs in. She says something about how she was able to get in because she speaks fluent housekeeper, which at the same time is offensive, but also impressive that she speaks fluent Spanish. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Maybe she means she speaks all the dialects of Spanish. That would be interesting. So she can talk to any housekeeper. Anyway, so she's very excited because she may be Summer's sister. And she's going to go pick out her room. Here, I have a question for you. And yes. I don't want this to sound offensive. Has Taylor gotten dumber? I think. Because <laughs> I feel like the first time we saw her, she was very conniving and very smart and very this. But, like, her essentially running into Summer's house and being like, now I'm your sister. I'm going to get pick out a room. Here's the thing. Yeah. Taylor is dumb anytime someone's nice to her. When people are mean to her, she's smart. Oh, so oh, that's very sad. So it's like they're they're reverse exponential to each other. Yeah. Because yeah. think about it, when the main characters were mean to her, she was very smart. Yeah. But now that they're trying to be nice, she loses all sense of Maybe, using her brain in pure excitement. Yeah, so it's it's more of like, it's like and I, I don't mean it's a bad way, it's more of like when you go home and there's like a tiny dog at your house, and that dog will like run up onto things that that dog cannot stand on, because they're so excited to see you, and they'll fall off, and they'll... Yeah. 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 She just, she loses all sense of self-preservation, because she's just filled with joy. Which is, don't get me wrong, adorable. And she doesn't know how to contain her joy. Aw. Oh, Taylor. Oh, Taylor. All right, well, let's head off to the date between Neil and Veronica. And Neil likes it? It hard to say. Yeah, I was like, uh, I mean, he's uh, clearly he's humoring her because... But I think he's surprised that she is as, like, funny as she is. I don't know. The story she tells is, like, about how, no, you, you know, when you're a sports agent, actually, these the football players are the danger ones, the tennis players. They're like... Kill you. I'm like, I don't like this. This story is weird. Yeah, I don't know if it's funny or if he's just like, you have a personality that's not just rage. Uh, I'm intrigued. You did call a, te- a teenager who I enjoyed Little Miss Columbine, but this is 2006. We don't know how much of an epidemic school shootings will become. Also, I'm so lonely. <laughs> Unfortunately, because, oh, the confluence of events. Because there's only one restaurant in this town. Uh, well, we do have a second one here, because Julie and Caitlin come in. But Julie sees Neil and Veronica, and it looks like he's having a... And I thought it was going to be, like, a fun misunderstanding that it's going to be like, oh, it looks like he's having fun, but he's really just humoring her. Yeah, although I was surprised that Kirsten didn't mention to Julie that she was using her... 
Because she claims it's through their dating yeah. business. So I'm just surprised it didn't come up like in casual conversation. Yeah. Not as not as like, Julie, I have to warn you. But it's like, oh my God, Julie. We have our first client. Yeah, did wh- what well, is the process ha- we've here? We've had lots of clients <laughs> before, the, but. What's the process here? How did this go about? I don't know. Too Although, many questions. I guess Kristen's keeping it secret because she doesn't want Julie to know that Marissa is still being threatened. That makes sense. Anyway, Julie, in a rush of feelings, has some feelings, and drags Caitlin off to the crab shack? Somewhere else. Off so, they go. Uh, well, uh, Ryan goes to pick up Marissa for school? Date? Something. Hard this, to say. It doesn't really matter. But the she, trailer is in disarray, just like Marissa's emotions. She can't find her jacket, but she's actually not mad about not being able to find her jacket. She's mad at Johnny. And Ryan's like, Marissa. <laughs> Ryan has spent three seasons with Marissa. He's like, perhaps empathy. And Marissa's like, oh, you're right. And he's yeah. like, yes. Yeah, because she's like, oh, because she reads look on his face and him being, as he realizes he, he knows, like, he goes through, he goes through essentially three episodes of drama in one instant by being like, yes, I knew I should have told you. Hey, maybe you should think of things from Johnny's point of view. Empathy? <laughs> and Marissa's like, We've grown and learned so much together, Ryan. Oh, look, here's my coat in Caitlin's suitcase. Oh, and underneath there's ju- is a gym bag from Caitlin's school. And as Ryan opens it up... It empty. Ooh, mysterious. There's no $1,400, $1,500 in it. There's not... Yeah, there's not, like, $1,500 bills in there. <laughs> Which is not that many. There's just not a whole lot of money. That's a big gym bag. I... Like, well, and doesn't what? George Jackson Jasper say that he like saw her shoving the money into a gym bag? No, he says three other people saw her doing that. That's why Ryan says, "Who are you going to believe?" Three, but like uh, th- three drunk, three three drunk frat guys, or fourteen year old girl, and 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 Jasper Jason goes, "She's 14? I held twenty two bills in yeah. my hand today. They yeah. were five dollar bills. They were not a hundred dollar bills. Yeah. But I held twenty two bills in my hand today, and I could like shove those bills in my bra, and no one would know they were there. No, it's 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 not a lot. And once again, fifteen hundred dollars is a lot of money. But on this show, for what they've set up set up for us, it's not a lot of money. These people drop hundreds and thousands all the time. Everyone except for like Marissa and Julie because they're yeah. the poor ones now. But Marissa did give her Cartier watch, which was worth $4,000, which is more than this amount. <laughs> yeah. To uh, Volchuk when he was trying to blackmail her or whatever he was doing. Ah, uh, who knows what Volchuk was doing. Who knows what Volchuk is doing. Well, he must be back because apparently this season characters don't die. They just keep returning. Except for Jimmy. He's gone forever. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this week, uh, what made you happy? What made me happy this week? You mean other than my weekend of summer? Yeah, you filled a lot of stuff in, so you got to figure out something else. I do have something else. And it is cheesy garlic toast chips. They are made by Lay's, because Lay's (laughs) loves to make weird flavors. All right. And sometimes the Lay's weird flavors are, like, questionable. Like, the pizza ones, eh. The one that I think was, like... 
I think it was it wasn't poutine, but it was something like that. There was We're, a pierogi one, which was pro- really good. Um, no, it, then it wasn't the pierogi. There was one. I, it might have actually been the poutine one, where you where eating it tasted like a chip that had been like hovered around something. Like, like maybe eat, that was the grilled cheese. There's one that was like grilled cheese and tomato soup. There was one where like like, yeah, like eating it did not give me like the taste. It gave me like the experience of the taste. <laughs> Well, the thing with the che- with the uh, cheesy garlic toast is it's really just a garlicky chip. So if yeah. you like garlic, you're like, <gasps> and there's like some vague artificial cheese. Dusting. I mean, I mean, there's I've seen both cheese chips and garlic chips. So the fact that they just did both of those sort yeah. of makes sense. Not innovative, yeah, but delicious. Cool. I ate those today while I was at Shakespeare in the Park. <laughs> I mean, Shakespeare by the Bow. It's not called Shakespeare in the Park anymore. Yeah. Kevin, what made you happy this week? Um, so we said we won't talk about that, talk about that much, but we did go to um, uh, when words collide a writing oh, conference right. here last week. Um, my, that's actually not my uh, my favorite moment, even though it is. But I don't want to. But it, we, we talk about it so much. It was so big, yeah. we cannot encapsulate it in this very small. So I said I'm going to say that my favorite my favorite one was actually what came after it, which is that I felt very motivated to do stuff. And not just writing, but, like, the stuff related to writing, right? Like, yes. you're motivated yeah. to do the work around to, it. And and so the reason that I'm mentioning it is because it felt weird to be very thrilled to be sending emails and doing all the stuff that is very, very boring. But since I knew what it was and what I wanted to do and how to do it and where I should be contacting, it ended up being fun. Which I think just lays more into the idea of if you are enjoying what you're doing, even the boring parts of that work are enjoyable. Accurate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Over at the Cohen house, Ryan is feeling pensive. And he confides to Seth that, like... Caitlin's up to something. The doom. The doom is here. So he gives a little bit of exposition to Seth, but they're cut off by the fact that Marissa and Caitlin just come into the house. Which because... Seth is delighted by, and I'm like, Seth, people have been doing that for years. I th- I think I think he was more of... I don't think he was delayed by it. I think he was more of... Like, they were talking about them, and then they arrived. Like he was, was like, trying to, like, cover he's it. Like, oh, look, people are just coming into the house. That, that People aren't knocking on doors, so we know that they're coming in. Seth practices some, like, weird, very oddly good subterfuge. Yeah, he gets... Where he just, like, whisks Marissa off. Without any communication between um, Ryan and Ryan. He's just like, oh, Ryan probably does want to talk to Caitlin. I'll get Marissa out of here so we can talk to Caitlin. And Ryan does some detecting. And what he learns, (laughs) what the the new story is... Is that Caitlin stole the money because her friend was dating Jasper's brother. Yeah. And her friend got pregnant, and Jasper's brother would not pay for an abortion, so she stole some abortion money. And it was like, hey, well, Ryan, if you want to, you can call my friend Megan and ask her how her abortion went. Which is at that moment I realized, oh, it's in the dog. Because she she pushes the dog, and we constantly have shots of that dog. The dog is a purse. It's a purse. and they It's not a dog. Yes. Uh, There's a dog purse that uh, I think Marissa got her, or... Yeah, the Marissa got for Caitlin when she was little. Yes. She didn't like it, so she figured out it was a purse and could hide her fake credit cards in it. And this one, I'm like, the money's in the dog. So here's an insane line that Caitlin says. (laughs) Ryan, I can't tell Marissa. You know how she is. And I genuinely do not understand what Caitlin is referencing in that line. Caitlin is floundering with lies. Because Marissa has somehow not been a helicopter mom to her sister. I, I... (laughs) And Marissa, that Caitlin knew before she went to boarding school, you know, the Marissa 
who was 15, yeah. loved drugs and stealing things for abortions and drinking and partying. Marissa, that Caitlin knew, yeah. would be all into this. But the reason why she didn't want to tell her is because she knew it was a lie. Is because then she wanted to keep the lie with one person. Because the more people who know the lie, the more people who can figure out the holes in it. Uh, but also- what does Ryan think Caitlin means by that? Because he's like, hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be let's be clear. Just going forward a little bit. Ryan does immediately tell Marissa. Like he does not keep this a secret anymore. He's just like, yeah, she told me this. <laughs> it's probably a lie. I was really hoping that this that this episode would just be Ryan going back to Justin Jasper <laughs> and getting in, and him being like, no, that's not it. Here's more proof than going back to Caitlyn. And Caitlyn just, like, winding up bigger and bigger lies. I'm like, no, actually, Justin, he is a super villain, and he kidnapped a friend of mine. And so to get my friend back, I had to steal the money because he had transformed my friend into the money. So I have to take the money to my friend who is a sorcerer. And my friend with the sorcerer is going to turn my friend, who is the money, back into... A person. Which is when Ryan puts on his the OC suit, which has been languishing in his closet. Well, now he wears a suit. Now he wears a, a suit. Now he wears a suit suit. Yeah. For he has hung up his superhero suit and become his new form, <laughs> a police officer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Summer is being Summer in her house because now she interacts with the one parent she has. And then we might learn the most insane thing that has happened on the OC thus far. Veronica's plan worked. Worked? How? Neil seems <laughs> equally as confused. I think I think Veronica drugged Neil. <laughs> because he's like, no, no, he's like, there's more to her than you think. And, and I was some, all, like, absolutely not. I was only planning to have one date. This is like the weird dream of every guy who's ever been friend zone were like, but if she just went on one date with me, she'd realize how cool I am. Here, Kevin, there's something we know about Neil. He does not know how to not have a wife. <laughs> That's true. He had that druggy stepmom in that house within six months. So he's like, hey, this one isn't high on drugs all the time. Win for Neil. <laughs> But he's taking Veronica because apparently that night there's the launch party for the, 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 the dating, dating business, service? which has been making steady money for months. Good for them. Oh, let's talk about the launch. But first, Caitlin now also gets hilarious Gus lines. <laughs> Caitlin has been informed by Julie that she is not allowed to open the door for Gus, even if he actually has candy. I think the wording is she doesn't have to open the door for Gus, oh, even right. if he has candy. And she says even if he actually has candy. Even if he actually has candy. <laughs> Can I say that? Like, yes, there's a lot of creepy elements that, but I, lo- I will just imagine that as benevolent Gus being like, I oh, have some candy. Do you want some candy? Oh, I don't think Gus <laughs> is trying to seduce anyone. I think he's just trying to make friends with his new fancy neighbors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, if we know about Gus, Gus is, Gus has a lot of stuff going on. He's a swinger. He, he makes pigeon <laughs> pies. He has candy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> He was he was very interested in talk in just talking to Julie when she arrived. He doesn't he, get metaphors. He also wants to talk to Neil. He's a man who has a full life. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's not Gus actually because it's never Gus. It's never Gus. <laughs> in this case, it's Johnny. And he has shown up to apologize to Marissa. And yeah. Caitlin's like, "Hey, Johnny." I know how you could apologize to Marissa in my pants. Hey, Aaron, I got a question. 
Johnny Johnny knows Caitlyn has a crush on him, right? Because she told him directly to his face. Here's the thing with Johnny. He doesn't have any chill. (laughs) Because he gets invited to the launch. And Johnny now trapped in this horrible triangle of hell. Because, as Caitlyn said, Marissa will be there. And he's like, oh no, I want to see Marissa. But also, Caitlin's here. So this 14-year-old has the hots for me. Which, I'm sorry, lots of 17-year-olds date 14-year-olds. No, that's fine. Everyone says it's weird in this show, but it's not. Yeah, it... <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, uh, it's like, fine. Like, lots of guys in grade 12 dated girls in grade 10 when I was in high school. Yeah, no, that... Yeah, because you're at the same school. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, find, I find pretty much if you're at the same school... Probably fine. Although Johnny is at Harbor High and Caitlin's at no school. If you have the possibility of being the same school. It's fine. Well, I guess, the, but then there's also the, uh, we, we can't make grand sweeping statements about relationships. Also, we don't know things about 2000 Newport. <laughs> anyway, uh, Johnny, uh, like. Agrees to go. Agrees to go. And, it, hey, apparently all you do have to do is trap someone into a situation and they will fall in love with you. So, Neil Roberts. Marissa. Realizes that Ryan has been moping for this day, and she's like, hey, Ryan, why you mope? And he's like, let me spill all my secrets. Look, (laughs) there's a lot going on. And so Marissa, hearing this, decides that she doesn't know if she can talk to Caitlin. But she's going to think about it. Yeah, maybe after the party, but until then, we got to keep an eye on her. Now Kirsten realizes that Julie has been moping all day, and she's like, hey, Julie, why you mope? Oh, and then Julie (laughs) says... She says a lot of stuff, but the the set the, the way it ends up behind it kind of sounds like Julie's been like, Kirsten, I have human emotions. I and didn't know I did. Because like I understand that Neil Roberts has a lot of like rich stuff going to him, but I don't just like his money. And I don't know what to do about that. I think I think I like him for him. Kirsten, I think I enjoy his company. It does sound like a robot getting sentience, and it is weirdly beautiful. And Kirsten it says what we all say, which is, oh, dear God. It ends with, I, I do want to put hang a little lantern on this weirdest metaphor, where she goes, I'm like the Gulf region. What's one more hurricane? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Julie, <laughs> what no. A, what a weird... So in in the in this show from 2006, it has both brought up school shootings and hurricanes, both things that have progressively gotten worse since 2006. The show saw the future, and it was like, we gotta laugh about it now. We won't be able to. <laughs> we gotta laugh about it. Now. We won't be able to make fun of this in the future. We have to do it before it gets really bad. So up in Seth's room, Seth and Summer are trying to plot how to break up those parents, and Seth is insistent that genital warts is the solution. But, I mean, uh, here comes the adults, and they're probably going to, you know, settle this down and be like, kids, you can't just insert yourself into other people's lives. But they're like, oh, no. What? Wait, how did that How did that happen? What? <laughs> There's a second date happening? And then Kristen's like, Sandy, I know secrets. There are extenuating circumstances that we cannot do this plot anymore. <laughs> this is a great moment where Sandy's like, okay, curse it. Use up the party. Kids, keep thinking of ways to break up these adults. I'll, 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 figure, think so- too. I'll figure something out. What's very important for all of us to know is that Veronica has to dump Neil. Yeah. That's how everyone saves face, so. Well, or, or else she might take it out on Marissa. What so, is this storyline? 
it's so weird like opposed to caitlin's where she like steals money and has like people coming after her and talks about a, like you know abortion but no she, or she's being stalked or like one of these things and this other storyline is like oh the adults are trying to break up some adults well kevin sometimes adults can have fun too well marissa just like how the other people were shocked about neil and veronica marissa is shocked about caitlin uh, but she doesn't have much time to be shocked because in this pre-party setup scene, <laughs> Jackson shows up with some bros. <laughs> yeah, just uh, Jason Mraz shows up with the rest of his ska band. Which means all these boys have probably spent 1500 like, there's like six of them. I don't know how much a bus ticket costs. I, or, do they drive there? That would be, that would be gas. Like, either way, they are spending several hundred dollars to track down this several hundred dollars yeah, but it's, it's very important that um jason mraz jasper rathburn uh brings forward all these people because once again he cannot be threatening yeah. even in this scene where he really where he has these other floppy haired bros are like oh what about that bitch and he's just like ryan i'm trying to do this for her ryan we can keep her safe <laughs> marissa pulls out a you guys better leave her i'll call the cops and then uh justin is like I'll call the cops. She stole from us. And Ryan's like, whoa. No one has to call the cops. No one's calling. Guys, I'm a cop. I'll handle it. (laughs) Don't worry. I am a cop. You don't know this, but I'm the police commissioner. (laughs) It'll happen eventually. Uh, But in this time, Caitlin has seen them and then ran off and then has actually fully ran off. Oh, she robo ran to the trailer. Did because she, or did she take a car? Just, oh, no, she took a taxi, that's right. No, she, so she took a taxi. Yeah, with her dog money. Okay. So, Caitlin is... Oh, that's what she said with the money. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, she used some of the money to get to Newport, and then she used some of the money to pay for the taxi. The confusing thing I got is that Caitlin said, when she describes it... We should go through the scene. Okay. Uh, so, Caitlin is packing up. Ryan and Marissa drove to the trailer. They found her there. And Ryan, continuing with his greatness of just being aware, being the show for three seasons, sees, like, or there's Caitlin and Marissa, and they're sort of, like, starting to shout, shout at each other. Ryan just goes, hey, you two should talk. And then, and then, he then walks turns around and room. leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and so they he, do. Yeah. So Caitlin, she's upset, <laughs> and because apparently, as we learn... No one has invited her home for two years. She spent her Christmases even before they got poor with strange, like other, like school friends. Which is something we've been saying. So it's funny the show is like, we should probably address the fact that Caitlin has not been around for a long time. Caitlin also reveals that she has known that her family is destitute since Julie moved into the trailer. Which means she's known about it since before Marissa, Marissa has. The reason she knows is because, I guess, her, her friend's, friend's dad, dad owns the trailer park. So when Julie moved in and bought it, he was like, isn't that Caitlin Cooper's mom? He did a snitch, and then the daughter did a double snitch. Yeah, so everyone knew. And really, feels like Marissa should have been like, Wait, so you knew before me? I was so, the only one who didn't know? So, Caitlin, you didn't call me. <laughs> and be like, hey, I heard we're destitute now. What up? <laughs> this feels like something you should have taken the initiative on. Because Caitlin is real mad. And yes, Caitlin is abandoned. Yeah. But she also could have called her sister. <laughs> yeah, especially because she learned, she knew about it. So this her whole thing when she got here and was like, what's going on? What's happening? 
She knew. She just wanted someone to tell her. Yeah, well, what I said is like, it's, it's like... It's like she came here wanting a fight. Well, she is 14. She came here being like, well, let's see if they keep lying to me when I'm there. And they didn't. And she's like, ah, oh, come on. Anyway, it turns out that Caitlin stole the money to come home. It is in the dog purse, as we said. And this is why I said I was confused, because she says, I use some of it for the car home. And like, wait, did she buy a car? No. So she took a car from Montecito yeah. to home. Yeah. So she's using the term a car, like rich people would yeah. use. Because they don't want to say the word taxi. Yeah. So, uh... Is, is it weird that this story, despite being the truth, still continues to be the one I believe the least... I believe the I believe the abortion story way more than I believe this story where she just stole the money to come home. I mean, I think she stole the money for attention <laughs> and also used it to come home. Yeah, because like I like there's a, there's a, there's a huge thought process there that's missing between her because the the history behind this is that she was dating Justin for for about a month. She told him that she that she was 16. Justin's brother was in college, so they went to a college party. And then she stole the money from the college she party. She stole the money from the college party, which means there has to be a trigger moment somewhere there where she decided I'm going to take this money and go home. So, I mean, I'm not bothered by her lying about her age because if there's one thing I know about 14-year-old girls is they all think they look 18. No, that was just that was just something I was adding in with this full yeah. story. Well, I I think she – I mean, we don't know what happened at the party. Yeah. But I think essentially Caitlin was just tired of feeling like nothing. So maybe she saw the money and just took the chance. And took the opportunity, yeah. Yeah. For some reason, I wish they had filled this in on that specific thought process rather than just being like, I took the money to come home. But apparently she only spent – she spent a very small amount of it because it's enough that Ryan could essentially be like, all right, I'll just hand this right back to him. Ryan may have thrown 50 bucks of his that's own what I, in there. That's what I mean. Like she took so little out of it that – it seems like such a weird process for her to all of a sudden just be like, I'm going to take this 15, once again, $1,500. So Ryan takes the money from her from the dog purse and says, I'll tell the cab he doesn't have to wait anymore. Yeah. Uh, and now time for the party. Yeah. Uh, Summer apparently told Seth something about her dad, but they need Taylor to deliver it. Ooh. Ooh. Now there's a speech, and we find out from Julie and Kirsten that their business is a business, and also this is a flirty party. Also, Julie gives a very diverse opening speech of being like, whether you're gay or straight or these things. I do want to point out one quick thing, which is when you're gay, there's a shot where a man is hiding behind a woman just gives her a very slow nod, and I'm like, what? <laughs> are you, like, embracing are, are your you, sexuality in that moment? Or are you approving that she, like, what's, that's a very strange shot to have of that guy just very slowly nodding at her as she says gay. Um, Sandy is the most supportive husband who has ever supportive id. Anyway, Sandy tells uh, Kirsten that, you know, the plan is in motion. Uh, and then Taylor arrives and the plan is in motion. Seth tells Taylor the secret, which we don't know yet. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, but while that's going on, we'll have to move over to where, Rust where Ryan Rustin meets with <laughs> meets with Giant. Uh, at the bait shop, which is where people meet. There's, and I am really bugged by the fact that there's clearly not a band playing, despite the fact that the music is portrayed as diegetic. That's just something I noticed. Sometimes bars have just radio i know but there's a but there's a drum kit on stage like a band should be playing the band is coming later hmm. anyway uh brian gives the money to justin and we learn that poor justin 
is so in love with Caitlyn because those Cooper women, you can't not love them. He's, and he's like, I, just, I was kind of hoping that Caitlyn would be here too. If maybe you notice, she... I didn't bring my scary bros. So I thought maybe you would bring your scary bro. Anyway, Caitlin. Anyway, he he uh, he, t- he does he does a line which I actually think this is like one of the probably the best pieces of writing I've seen on this show and a lot of other shows, which is the line and the the way that um uh he gives it, which is Ryan, be careful, she's amazing, which is like a very noir line. And I and like it a lot. Also describes Marissa. Yeah, be careful, she's amazing. Ah, oh, those uh, Cooper women. And it's like, anyway, I gotta go. I'm gonna go meet a guy with sharp teeth in the back alley. He says he has something cool to show me. One day I'm gonna <laughs> sparkle. He says with my magnitude. I don't know what that means, but I'm gonna go do it. <laughs> See you eventually, maybe. Caitlin and Marissa arrive at Caitlin's first Newport party, which she's been dreaming about for years. This does bring back my obsession with what Caitlin is wearing, because in this scene, she looks like the ghost of a child who died in 1984. Unfortunately, the party, like her outfit, is disappointing. <laughs> just, I just want you to agree that, like, she's wearing some sort of necklace that has the silhouette of a woman in it. I really don't think you understand how women's fashion works. None of her outfits bother me. It looks what's it looks like she's a ghost. She 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 died of some of like TB in 1894, and she had a crush on a boy, but then she'll never know what that felt like because she died. You know, I have one of those necklaces. Yeah, and you're a ghost who died in 1984. What's your point? You do go back and forth between 1984 and 1884. I, I do. Like that. It's supposed to be 1894. <laughs> So, uh, Taylor's mom, Veronica, is about to go off to have a second location party, a.k.a. a sex party, <laughs> which with is, Neil. Which is anything I've learned about this house it means they're going to go into to, uh, Sandy and Kirsten's bedroom and make out, because that's what people do in this house. But don't worry, Taylor stops that. She preserves the sanct- sanctity of Sandy and Kirsten's room. Uh, because whatever the secret was, it works. And, uh... Veronica ditches Neil. Well, she says Taylor's sick and she has to take her home. Well, turns out the secret that uh, that Summer told Seth was that her dad voted for John Kerry. But the actual truth. <laughs> but Seth made an executive call. Which was to stick to genital warts. <laughs> and hey, it works. And as soon as Veronica leaves, Neil is like released from some sort of spell. And he's like, you know, Sandy... I thought I liked her, but I think I just don't know how to not have a wife. <laughs> yeah, I thought I liked her, but then I realized she might have just been the first person to come back. And then... Uh, so she's po- he's pointed towards sad Julie in the corner. And he's like, ooh... Uh, which, which you know, if and, you know, he talks with her, and then uh, there's nothing really interesting that happens there. He asks her out. It's sweet. And... But this is juxtaposed with Johnny showing up at the party and Caitlin also doing a flirt. <laughs> Yeah, they sort of, like, bump chests. <laughs> and then weird. Caitlin's like, well, I'll be around. Yeah, she hits on him so hard, and, and he's like, I I gotta go. And she's like, yes, go talk to Marissa. But once you're done, <laughs> Caitlin. <laughs> so Johnny, let's be clear, escapes from Caitlin to go see Marissa. And, you know, he surprises her. He apologizes to her. They agree that they miss each other and they should maybe hang out sometimes. And then, then we get something that maybe adds fuel to your to Aaron's fire that Marissa knows exactly what's happening here. Because she tells Johnny to drive Caitlin home. Which, 
<laughs> Which, of course, Johnny's not going to be able to say no because Johnny helps people. And Kevin, here's the thing. If Johnny can't be her boyfriend, Johnny can be her brother. Well, unfortunately, that's not what Caitlin wants. No, Caitlin does not want to marry him. No, she does want to marry him. Yeah. So then Johnny would be Marissa's brother because he marries Caitlin. Oh, you're saying Marissa if she can't be. Okay, I thought you were saying Caitlin. I'm no. like, what? No, no. Marissa gets what she wants. All right. That's uh, like this entire show. Marissa gets what she wants. All right. Uh, so uh, let's jump forward a little bit because apparently <laughs> Summer, after hearing about the Gentle Wards thing, full on punched Seth in the face. We did not see that. And Summer didn't mean to do it. It was a rage blackout. Uh, but Taylor comes in as well. And she, even though their parents didn't work out. She would still like Summer to be her sister. And Summer's like, I know you need affection. So, yes. So, Taylor does such a great job of balancing between intolerable and adorable. Yeah. Like, she does a good job of skirting that line, which a lot of characters in TV shows, when they're supposed to be kind of kooky, they fall hard into intolerable. Like, how could this person be a thing? And I will say the thing with Taylor is I feel like she does learn and grow. Yeah. Like, she does get better based on her interactions. Yeah, absolutely. And her kookiness remains, but... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, was so, this... we have a short scene where the parents debrief about what happened, and by the parents, I mean Marissa and Ryan. <laughs> well, in this are... episode, they are the parents, and Summer and... Or, sorry, Sandy and Kirsten are the teenagers. Sure, I'll go with that. Uh, so, they talk a little bit about Caitlin, about how Justin was in love with her, and how Ryan's in love with Marissa... But hey, where's Caitlin? Still in the car. Well, no, I do want to point out Marissa's very gross line, which is like, well, Johnny's taking her, taking her home, so she should be in bed by now. And I'm like, ah, oh, gross. They, they use a lot of weird innuendo in this. I did not even pick up on that. You didn't? No. Well, you should have. I did it wrong. Anyway, uh, Caitlin and Johnny, she's not, in fact, in bed yet. Johnny does say, actually, earlier, I'm sure I'll bring her out for ice cream, which is not what Marissa asked him to do, but... <laughs> but that's fine. Anyway, uh, they're driving home. And Caitlin starts to pontificate on how it's hard to go back home. And is it because home changes, or is it become you, because you change? And she says, well, Newport hasn't changed, so <laughs> Johnny, I would like to go skinny dipping. Johnny, Johnny has this thing where, like, he like he's clearly knows she's... Pr- she is prompting him for a response, and he gives, like, what's it? it's stilted, but not because of acting, but because of, as a human being, and knowing who she is, he's like, what about you? You're the younger sister of the woman I love. <laughs> and he's like, stop the car. I don't want to go for ice cream. Stop the car. She wants to go for a midnight skinny dip. Yeah, she uh, she runs out. She throws off her dress and runs off into the water, and Johnny, like, he's like, he's like, running, like Caitlin, Caitlin, what are you doing? Caitlin, get back in the car. Caitlin, I'm a dad. Caitlin, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> Unfortunately, Ryan and Marissa have become the parents in this episode, which means I too am a parent, for I am a contemporary of them. He's wearing a he's wearing like a suit jacket. I remember like Caitlin, Caitlin, get back in the car. I want to point out that this entire scene, take this scene, take it out of context, and just have like you know these two people in this car, this uh, this girl talking about coming home and all these things, and then like, having this part where she's like pull over the car, and she and she like says about like swimming and like she throws her, uh, her dress on the ground, she's running off in you know just her underwear and I think like a camisole or something, mm-hmm. uh, and him shouting after like hey stop stop, this is the beginning of another teen drama. 
Oh, this, this is like an empowerment self-discovery this, story. This is the end of this is the end of the pilot episode of another teen show. Caitlin is, Cooper, Boy Fight Club. Like like we, question we, mark? we joke about spin-offs. This feels like a spin-off. Well, you know, this is what has happened. The OC has realized they've used up all of their Ryan and Marissa plots. <laughs> so then now they're going to have Johnny and Caitlin. Yeah, this is a backdoor pilot. Now, ah, whatever, I'm down for it. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic whipped off their 1894 garb and dove into the sea of drama? Came out with 1984 garb? Yes. All right. I did. Um, or did I? You know, this episode actually filled my heart with a lot of joy. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But I was, like, here for the drama because the show wanted me to be here for the drama. Yeah. I, I'll tell you right now, the moment I picked was less of a drama. Uh, it was sort of a drama, more of a setting up a sequence of events to happen moment. So if that helps you decide between the ones you you checked off. None of them are good, though. Like, I don't actually like any of them. Well, just I guess, one. you know, my CW moment, I will say, and... I can't, like, you couldn't do it any differently. Yeah. But it was the moment when I realized that Chili and Johnny were still characters. <laughs> when it just sudden cut over to a, to a set we never thought we'd see again. Because I know how this show works. I understand their economy of character. Once a character is dead to them, that character is dead to is, them. Is gone. And maybe they'll come back one episode as a fun little thing. Or, or, or so, sometimes they'll be Marissa's dad, but Jimmy. Th- this time they're like, oh no, you thought the storyline was done? Jokes on you. Welcome to a new storyline. Old characters, new storyline. Ooh. Did you find a CW moment? I did. And it was it's not so much the moment, but the but the things this moment implies, and that is that is the gap moment, but from the moment that Caitlin was like, Hey Johnny, how about you go out with me instead of my sister? To the moment where Marissa arrives at Johnny's house because Chili told her everything implies that Johnny never came back into the place after saying, I have to go check on my car. That's true. He was so startled by Caitlin <laughs> that he just ran to his car yeah, and drove the away. The only thing I imagine happened is that Johnny, who drove Chili there, <laughs> as soon as Caitlin was like, maybe instead of my sister, you can date me. He spun on his heel 180 and sprinted off and went home, <laughs> which means Marissa had to drive her sister and Chili home and just be like... Man, it's crazy what happened to Johnny. He just we 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 went in there, ordered water, and then he ran away. Like it was like, yeah, he said he had crazy diarrhea. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, and Marissa doesn't mention it to him when she arrives. She's not like, hey, you just sort of never came back. It's like, hey, Chili told me what's going on. Well, the other option. Is that he did come back, and, and Marissa didn't. spent the entire conversation trying to, like, drop hints that she knew, <laughs> but they were either super ham-fisted and he could ignore them, or way too subtle. And also considering, like, she doesn't come back to him until, I guess, the next day, because Caitlin listening to Screamo and painting her toenails... Is, is definitely another day. Is like the, it has to be the morning of the next day, unless if you change into her pajamas just to do that, but I mean... That seems unreasonable. And I would believe that Ryan needs a night to be like, huh... How am I going to deal with this news? <laughs> After Jason Mraz shows up. What's Ryan going to do next? Anyway, yeah, so that's my CW moment. Just whatever happened in there. 
I guess another CW moment I could have picked, although it would have led to much less jokes, yeah. is the weird escalation of Jason Mraz bringing his bros, <laughs> which added nothing other than paying a couple other guys to talk. <laughs> yeah, and adding up a lot more holes of these guys are really into getting... Like, like, it is a lot of money. You know, yeah, it's, 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 it's so hard to, to make this clear. That is a lot of money, but it feels like they spent a lot more money trying to get that money back. Because there is seriously like six guys there. And it's got to be a couple hundred dollars worth of gas or a couple hundred dollars worth of bus tickets. I wonder if it was supposed to be 50, but 50,000 would be insane for her to steal to be like, I wanted to come home. Also for them to just have $15,000 just like sitting around in their frat house. Yeah. Just stat. Also. It might be better if they, I mean, here's the thing. We still would have ragged on it because we would have. But if, if they if had, it, if he had said she stole, she stole thousands of dollars or she stole a bunch of money from yeah, me. Yeah, if he just said a vague amount of money, we still would have, I bet we would have been as much we like. We would have ragged on it less, I think. I feel like we would have ragged on it less. Like, whenever they give us specifics means we have to go delve into the specifics. I think we would have then tried to figure out how much money we thought it was when, based when, on the wad of money. Yeah, when we see the wad. Well, first we would have seen the bag and we would have been like, wait, is that thing full of money? Did she rob like, did she like did heist she rob a, a bank? bank? But then when she gives him the wad, we'd be like, oh, maybe like... How much money? I would I say still, a couple I, hundred. I would say that would have been a couple hundred. No, assuming well, if assuming 20s, small bills. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, assuming small bills. But I mean, that wad is clearly like fives and... I mean, oh, wait, it's America. So there could have been some So it could be there. anything. That wad could be any amount of money. Uh, Schrodinger's wad. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're wrapping up for we're wrapping up for tonight, for today, whenever you're listening to this. And we're off on a fun new adventure of storylines. <laughs> new characters, old characters, new storylines. It's interesting to note that I feel like Riverdale going between its arc and OC going between its arc. OC going between its arc feels a lot smoother. Yeah. And I don't even know how to describe why or put that into technical sense. It feels very much like like how when people eating food describe mouthfeel. <laughs> When monsters describe mouthfeel. I think the smoothness is based on the fact that they did keep most of the old characters. Yeah, and they they and they and kept the storyline but but shifted into a new way of having the arc rather than Riverdale where they kind of just like stop. It's kind of like Riverdale like zigs and zags and the OC does like a slow S-curve. Well... Also, Riverdale very clearly, at least in the seasons we saw, is very prevalent in season two. They clearly had one arc written out, and they just sliced it off in the middle and put it at two points at the end. Yes. And then they then they did something in season one, or at the end of that one arc, to be like, and now we can put this on hold, though you know it's going to come back later. We'll put this up on the shelf, and then we can come back to it when we need it later, and we'll just put it right back in where it was. <laughs> And I never feel weird about characters not being there. Like, Taylor is not in every episode, because yeah. why would Taylor be in every episode? Yeah. Neil is not in every episode. Matt is not in every episode. Yeah. Because sometimes we don't care about Sandy at work. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like they're missing. Whereas, like, Riverdale, I'm like, where is Josie? Or where is Reggie? <laughs> yeah. Where does Reggie go? What, is, what does he do when he's outside the show? It doesn't... Here's the thing. The OC feels like a world we're looking into. Yeah, Matt's off doing stuff. Yeah, Riverdale does not feel like... Riverdale feels like if anything's outside those storylines, it doesn't make any sense. Riverdale is, Riverdale is a series of storylines. The OC is a world. It's like when the Riverdale characters are not in an episode, they just go into a pod yeah. and live in stasis until they come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that is kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Weird. 
Well, hey, if you like this episode, you should give us a rating, review, a subscription on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever you happen to find us. You should also interact with us online. We have some um, podcast MOA specific yep, that's, stuff. That's at, uh, at podcast MOA on either Twitter or Instagram. That's also the handle that starts off our email, podcastmoa at gmail.com. But hey, if you do want to talk to us individually, we also have our own accounts. I'm at Strawman K. Weir. And I'm at a flimsy plan blog. Really, if you Google a flimsy plan, I'm the only blog that comes <laughs> up because no one takes such delight in their terrible plans as I do. <laughs> And hey, uh, if you want to uh, read more stuff that I do, I am a writer. I have stuff out there. I have a cyberpunk fantasy novel called Endless Hunger that's available on Kindle and Kobo. And you can go to bookstores and they can probably order it in or you might find one there by some chance. It might be there as well. I also have a fantasy novella serial that comes out once a month. Currently, it's on Kindle uh, exclusive. And that is a uh, as is a fantasy serial. It comes out at the last Friday of each month. Three parts have come out so far. The fourth one will be coming out, I guess, next week. Real soon. Real soon. It's called All Gods Fall. And the best thing about Kindle is you can read that on almost any device because there is a Kindle reading app. Yeah, pretty or much you can like read it on your computer. Yeah, yeah, you can pop it onto uh, pretty much any anything that that has that you can read you know the, those type of files which is pretty much everything honestly yeah. so uh, uh engage with us consume our art yeah. i think i think that's anything else you want to want to say before we wrap up we're trying to get better at this whole housekeeping thing it's been 131 episodes and we finally have realized that we are people beyond just shouting about <laughs> teen dramas yeah yeah well we'll see you next week That's not how our podcast ends. Will Caitlin and Johnny be a thing? Will Neil and Julie be a thing? Will Gus and the Coopers be a thing? For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery, Outsiders, and Abs. A teen drama fan cast?